0: What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Tonight, you got Andrew here to talk to you about the Ohio Outdoors. Um, I'm going to be honest with you real right now. We're going to do a really quick intro. Uh, Paul is traveling. Imagine that. Uh, doing important turkey stuff. And I'm a bit worn out. I've been up since, I don't know, 3.30 this morning. Uh, just got back from my hunt at kildare plains and next week we are going to give you guys all the details on that uh spoiler alert no turkey came home with me uh at least nothing nothing that i got out of the woods so um uh, but it was really cool and like i said we'll get you more info of that paul paul will have a couple of hunts to talk about um on that end but uh today we will just go through some of the updates here real quick and then get you into our our show um, first of all, I want to say thank you to our friends at go wild. Uh, it's your online platform for everything, hunting, posting pictures, connecting with people, uh, all kinds of stuff like that. Uh, you got your, your shopping aspect on there. Lots of good deals. I think you get 10 bucks just for, for joining. So, um, uh, really place to be if you're into the hunting world and especially if you're sick of uh, the rest of the social media like i am um and just to remind you uh they've got send it slam coming up this july 9th down in louisville if you go to their website timetogowild.com you can get all the details there but we're talking outdoor festival uh 3d archery competition full lineup of uh, local kentucky musicians Food trucks, breweries, lots of stuff for the kiddos to do. So if you're looking for a quick trip down 71, go take the family for a day or two. Louisville, it's almost like a staycation, and you get to mix in your outdoor interest. Pretty cool. Um, So, yes, go wild. Timetogowild.com is the website. If you don't have the app, get it. Uh, Also want to say thank you to our friends over at Tethered and for partnering with us we're working with them we'll get you some content here soon on that get paul's big gorilla body up there in the uh up there in the saddle and get some video of that for you it'll be fun um i was told paul's brother let let me know a little secret that they like to refer to him as neander paul uh he'll he will hate me for saying that but so there you go we got we'll get neander paul up there in the saddle Uh, thanks to the guys over at tethered but seriously is the time to start thinking about that. Um, you want to get out in the woods and get comfortable with all that kind of stuff. If that's something you're going to do, and I suggest it highly, it's extremely comfortable, lightweight, mobile. Um, it gives you a lot of advantages. And uh, I can't say I hunted exclusively from it last year, uh, just from some of the places I was at, but I spent 90 plus percent of my time up in it and loved every second, so uh let's see. I think that's tetherednation.com. Let me just get you the official website. Yes, tetherednation.com. So if you want to get on there and find out more information all over Instagram, they're on Go Wild. Uh good people there. So First Light is another one that we're working with, and I just wanna give them a quick shout out because I was in a lot of my first light, all of my first, everything I wore was first light for my turkey hunt this past weekend. And man, that was amazing. Uh, the concealment was great. The comfort was great. We started with some cold mornings, got to the warmer afternoons. And as the week went, I got warmer, the layers worked, man. And that was one thing I was not worried about. And historically, it seems like there's always something clothes wise that you're you're fooling with, but or I have, um, that was definitely something that was not of a concern, so uh, big shout out to those guys for all of your uh, technical apparel, but it's more than just that, you'll want to wear it all the time. So, news around the state real quick, we've got uh, turkey season ending May 22nd on the, in the south zone. Um, we've got ending in may 29th in the north zone so those few counties there up in the northeast part of the state uh, that's something definitely to realize that this will be one of the last times you're hunting for a while until the doves come in there in the fall but take advantage the weather looks like it's breaking if you got a second get out there um make sure you're spraying down for your ticks that was something this past week and i'll tell you zero zero ticks um use my permethrin spray totally on board with that uh it's huge huge for preventing any ticks and i was hunting with brian young or brian hall sorry brian um so shout out to him for being drug along with me on that trip but uh, he was hitting the the deep pretty hard and also no reports of ticks there and god knows they were out there in the tall grass and everything that we were walking through so Uh, We've got the Archery Hike coming up here, and this is going to be July 15th through 17th down in Hocking Hills. Uh, The website is archeryhike.com, and that is going to be a 3D shoot, hiking event. There's one day, two day, three day passes all all, uh, out there. But get on that website, got all your details uh, to check that one. So maybe if you can't get the send it slam, but you want to get the knock the rust off your... Archery skills—that would be a great way to do it. Let's see what else do we have around the state. I know I saw some turkey numbers released, harvest numbers released here, uh, recently, and I'm not gonna lie—they weren't—they weren't great. Um, when it comes to, you know, talking about populations and different things, I think we were at about. Our three-year running average was like 9,000 and change. And I think up until this point, we were at about 7,000. So is it a population issue? Is it a hunter issue? I don't know. Um, I know they're out there. The Birds are out there. So just got to find them. But that's one thing to uh, keep an eye on. Let's see what else do we have. I don't have a whole lot of other stuff around the state at this point. I want to get into our talk here. First, out, shout out to Fudmaster for the review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you, Fudmaster. Appreciate that. Um, but today's talk, we are talking archery. We are going to start into that idea. Because just like your saddle setup, now is a t- great time when the weather breaks to get out and start tuning the bow back up. If you haven't been on it, we've got some of these 3d shoots coming up this summer, uh, that you want to be pretty sharp for, but also, you know, it's a, it's a great thing to do with your family, kids, and just to be outside relatively, um, And that's super high impact, right? You got enough mulch to move and and different things to do in the yard. You don't, this is just nice, relaxing archery, right? So Paul and I took a quick road trip down the road to Florence, Kentucky. So just south of Cincinnati down there. And we met with the guys at Sirius Archery. So if you've not ever looked into Sirius Archery, these guys make the top-notch arrows. And they are one of the companies out there that uh, he you know it's not heavy arrows or no, or nothing it's but they do have those op- options, right, and you've got the ability to customize your arrows for whatever you need. and these guys are awesome. I cannot say enough great things about the hospitality and the you know time that they gave us. this is a getting into a busy time of the year for them. They've got new things coming out. They're traveling a lot the, they have a sweet YouTube channel you should look it up where they're out hunting iguanas off of boats in Florida and snakes and they I don't know if it's snakes but uh, javelinas and different things over in Texas catching snakes with our buddy Troy the ranch fairy but these guys they're legit and they know their arrows they're super technical as far as how you know how accurate they're getting to their the spin and the weight and everything it's incredible. Uh, but they took the time to sit down with us and talk, show us around their their operation and got to learn a lot about them. Their website is seriousarchery.com and if you guys want to get on there check it out, man. This is one of those companies that offers uh, kind of your test packet, so if you're not sure if you want to go head first into the heavy arrow setup or, you know, the these high-end custom arrows get a couple of them, you know, and just screw around with it. See what you, see what you think. They offer the tough head broadheads. Um, they do have the ranch ferry, uh, easy button, I think is what they call it. And they've come out with a couple new kind of innovative things as far as inserts go and, and whatnot. And Seth will talk a little bit about that on the podcast, but this is, this is a good, this is a good place to to start if you guys are looking for a new arrow setup. So, seriousarchery.com they are all over Instagram and YouTube as well and they're pretty local okay this isn't we're not talking about buying stuff from around the world it's it's local um, but anyhow we will get into that I'll let them do the talking and just so you know uh, remember follow us on go wild uh, O2 podcast our Instagram is the dot and then the website is the 2 podcastcom so we appreciate all of you very very much and reviews the downloads the show's growing we're trying to keep doing big things for you guys in our free time and uh, yeah we really appreciate everything that you guys are doing so take care have a good week please go out and enjoy that weather and uh, if you get a chance get out the turkey woods or get some fish fishing going get those kiddos out there too yes, this is the time to Start getting to bed and everything. So. All right, appreciate you guys. Have a great week. Take care. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the O2 Podcast. Today, uh, Paul and I we're on a we're on the O2 Roadshow. Uh, our first. Uh well, maybe our second road show, yeah. show, but we're down here uh, with Seth and Tyler from Sirius Archery Products. Uh, hey guys, what's going on? Hey, How's thanks for having us. Hey, no problem. Thank you for uh, having us down down here to see your shop and see the operation. It's quite the uh, it's quite the operation. It is. That,
1: it's so. been it's been very very interesting.
0: So, um, I've personally got introduced to Serious what I don't know six or seven eight months ago. Uh, watching our buddy Troy Fowler, the Ranch Fairy, and some of uh, his YouTube videos and whatnot. But we figured out these guys were pretty close and we could come down here. And uh, Seth has been a gracious host to give us a uh, background on, on the whole company. So, Seth, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got started in this? I mean, did you just wake up one day and say, I'm going to start an aero company? Or That's exactly
2: what happened, I thought. <laughs> Ever since I was a little kid, I thought one day I'll own an aero company. But no, I um, had been shooting serious arrows from the uh, previous owners, and the previous owners um, was Tim Thacker and Andy Dutton, and they were just awesome salt-of-the-earth guys. Um, Tim's one heck of an entrepreneur. He's had a lot of businesses, and Andy is an aerospace engineer with GE, and so as the company started to grow, they um, were feeling some of the growing pains of just being pulled in different directions with their other lives, and so um, it was right when COVID hit, and we uh, had a trip planned up to uh, Canada. Yeah, it was up in Manitoba. And we thought the border was going to open. We were all excited the border going to open. And I called Sirius and said, hey, I need a few more insurance arrows, and I'd like to have a, a few extra go on the trip. Can you rush me out some? And um, Tim answered the phone and said, yeah, absolutely, we'll get them out to you. The next day we found out they weren't going to open the border so after that uh, i called him back said hey don't worry about it um, not i don't need them so fast now just go ahead and send them whenever you can and tim said hey we we just had two people back out on our trip to maine do you want to fill those two spots and ironically enough it was jason Wojahoitz who owned tough head and i were going to canada and then um tim and, and graciously invite us along we go up there and after about two and a half days of hunting Tim said I'm so busy he killed his bear I got to get back so he drove 20 hours up to Maine to then turn around and come right back and um, I just felt God call me on the way home to ask him if uh, he was interested in selling because I'd had some other companies and sold them thought I'd be retired for good A month later, I was bored out of my skull and I was back in the corporate world again. And when COVID hit, I realized just how much I didn't like being on an airplane. And um, so, negotiations back and forth, and I owned an air company. Um, And then after that, I thought it was going to be kind of a lifestyle business where I could uh, fulfill 10 or 15 orders in the morning and then go hunting or fishing in the afternoon. And three months later, we had seven employees, and it's just grown from there. So it was a, its a lifestyle business now, and that it's my entire lifestyle. So that's—that's that's, that's how we got to where we are now, and uh, it's been a good ride. It's growing by leaps and bounds, um, more than I had ever, you know, expected it to. But it's really a testament to what Tim and to what Andy put in place in the very beginning. Extremely good products. Um, the way that we Lay our carbon is a testament to Andy the resins we use um, and then the marketing that was done that that Tim did before I opened the com- or before I bought the company and it's awesome they those guys are awesome
0: that's awesome and yeah. it never hurts to have like an aeronautical engineer on your uh, design team is that what it would be? right, yeah, right? he's so,
2: from the aerospace side yeah. so he's pretty brilliant
0: very very good when it comes to flying flying arrows um and the tough head side of things that's your broad headline now did you You acquired that as well, or is it still two separate companies? How does that work?
2: Yeah, so we purchased Sirius in July of 2020. And then um, Jason and I had been friends that owned Jason Woodrowitz. He owned Toughhead. And in 2021, his other business was blowing up, and we had an opportunity to acquire Toughhead then, and we rolled it in with Sirius. And um, so we operate out of the one facility here in Kentucky.
0: Gotcha. Very cool. So, well, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, arrow basics and designing arrows, and you know some of the stuff that goes into your guys' products, as far as you know what you're trying to build. And we were just talking about it before we started recording. But when I bought my first bow, and uh, I went to the, the large box store, and I picked out the one that had everything I needed. But then it was like, oh yeah, you're going to need arrows. And it wasn't something that, it was kind of an afterthought. Well, I'll take six or 12 of those, you know, whatever, which, whatever the ones the guy at the, at the large box store, uh, recommended. Never thought twice of it. I went shot, you know, and I had my ups and downs with, with that set. Our listeners might, or might not, but I went away from the upright compound. I went to a crossbow. I had a good success with there. It wasn't until last year where I started hearing about this kind of heavy arrow idea and, that there was a lot more to the arrows than just whatever the guy at the store recommended. Um, And so there is a lot to building arrows and you've shown us that today from the spin testing, uh, the different weights, the precision, Holy smokes, the precision you guys have on this stuff is unbelievable. Um, But I guess my, my, my overall thought and question is, is, is that something that I was just missing or has that always been there? I mean, is this, this idea of really building arrows for, for um, you know, maximum penetration and performance? Is that something that the industry has seen grow here in the last few years?
2: Yeah, I think we've seen this migration away from the big box stores. Not totally. They're still there, right? They still sell a lot of arrows. But when you're looking at trying to maximize penetration, increase your FOC, which we'll talk about, um, getting better downrange performance, it's similar to being able to go and, and buy some really inexpensive ammunition. Well, there's no such thing as inexpensive ammunition. Right, anymore, right. <laughs> but you used to be able to buy inexpensive ammunition or you could buy premium ammunition. Both got the job done in, in the right circumstances. And that's where we are now. We're, will big box store arrows kill deer? They Absolutely, they will. But what we bring to the table is a lot of customer service because there's a lot of people that just don't understand even what... Uh, a high foc arrow looks like how to build it um what happens then is they're trying to cobble stuff together on their own they try to do it at the big box store they get frustrated um there's a lot of people that just don't have accurate arrows and it's not necessarily because of them it's because they were sold that they need to have this ultra fast 310 foot per second arrow and they have these little two inch fletchings on the back which isn't enough to to uh, a um uh, throw a, an adult broadhead downrange and, and it can't be controlled and then they get frustrated and give up. So I don't know how many archers we've actually lost to attrition just because they gave up. They, they couldn't become accurate. It was frustrating and a lot of us, they just weren't the right arrows. And so I think we're trying to turn the tide with that. You know, obviously Troy Fowler with the, the Ranch Ferry, he does a great job. Dr. Ashby and the Ashby Bow Foundation, they're doing a phenomenal job. Um, but it's not all just about heavy arrows. It's, we're trying to get you in the right arrow for what you're going to be hunting. Um, if you're going to hunt, like we talked earlier, a hippopotamus, that's probably an 11 or 1200 grain arrow. That's not something you're going to be able to even purchase at Cabela's or one of the big box stores. On the same token, we can get you to 400 grains or 450 grains if you are going to be hunting an antelope. And you need to reach out 60 or 65 yards on the shot. It needs to be very flat. And we can do either one of those. But either one of those still have the same principles of perfect uh, flight characteristics. And in order to do that, you have to have some of the fundamentals down. You need to be in the right spine. You need to have enough veins for what you're trying to shoot. And that's what I think we're trying to bring to the table now. And if you were to call up your local big box store and ask them any of the technical questions that that we get asked, they're not going to be able to answer them.
0: No, and I I know exactly what you're talking about with some of the the weight things. I've I've gone in and looking for 200 grain broad or uh, field points, and they're not they're not hanging on the shelf most of the time. So um, that is, I I don't remember who said it, but one of the best things I heard was you know we spend thousands of dollars on bows and sights and releases and all this kind of stuff, but none of that actually touches the animal, right? We need to look at investing in and spending good the money and getting high quality uh, arrows and broadheads because that's what actually is going to do the damage. Yes, the big fl- fa- fancy flashy bows that have all these different camo patterns and umpteen million feet per second, but let's be real. That that stops at you. The arrow is what gets the animal. So uh, that, that was one of the reasons I was one of those people that got flustered with it and and left. Like I, I went to the crossbow because I was so upset with the inconsistencies I was getting. Was it some of bow tuning perhaps, but like, uh, and that's a major component. Troy talks a lot about that, but the arrows were were absolutely a major part of that. So um, you touched a little bit there on the, on a heavy arrow, light arrow. We've talked about it on this show before. Uh, There's, some great debate out there on what is the perfect arrow for a certain species or, you know, why you don't need to have a 650 grain arrow to kill a whitetail and you can do it with a 388 or whatever. And I know people get really passionate about that. Um, we talked a little bit about it earlier and, and I think it's like picking the right tool for the job. You just mentioned with, you know, what you're gonna use for an antelope versus a hippo. Um, What do you have any thoughts like as far as as when you're designing, most of our listeners are going to be whitetails. What what are we looking for on a a whitetail arrow?
2: I personally try to recommend to get around 500 to 600 grains for whitetail. Can you do it with less? You can. If you encounter a heavy shoulder, you're probably going to have difficulties with a 400 grain arrow. So there's a little bit of insurance factor in there. We also will ask people, um, where are you hunting? Are you a Midwest hunter that has 20 to 30 yard max shot? And you wouldn't believe how many people call in and say, oh, the max I've got 20, maybe. And then we get out West guys that are going to be shooting mule deer and they may be taking 60 to 70 yard shots. So we'll might t- try to tailor that arrow to maybe closer to 500, 485, 500,
0: 525. So the, the lower the grains are the flatter, the, the projectile, we're not less the rainbow type of...
2: That's that's correct. It doesn't have as much downrange momentum left when it gets there just because of the way resistance... Um, and it gets really technical with some of the math, but um, resistance doubles with speed. So you will have the a um, uh, little bit less... Down range, but if you're shooting white tail and you're a a western hunter and you're planning to shoot sixty five yards, you're not gonna do that with a seven hundred grain arrow. You can, but you better have a pretty good shoulder to be able to pull a really really heavy bow back um so yeah, we try to find out where they're. I'm going to be hunting. If you're a 30 yards max guy and you want to shoot a 650 grain arrow, we're also going to encourage that. Great. Go for it. You know, it's you're not going to see um, anything but good results when it hits the arrow. A lot of guys, it's controversial. Um, well, they might jump the string. They might. But when you do the math and figure out the actual time distance between when a, a 600 grain arrow versus a 480 grain arrow leaves at 30 yards to get to the target for most guys shooting a normal you know 60 to 70 pound bow i mean we're talking fractions of a second and that can mean the difference of a a, some distance and how far a deer can drop but my guess is some other things went wrong before that they were alert you shot potentially at a time when they were either staring at you or whatever and you would have had bad results with A 300 grain arrow so we do try to tailor it to where are you shooting how far are you shooting and we try to get people in that five to six hundred grain range because anecdotally all everything that we get back from the field is people saying I've had you I blew right through this shoulder I had a 550 grain arrow and Tyler can talk to this he fields a lot of the technical calls but our best um, experiences happen when you get five fifty and above with deer.
0: That's kind of that sweet spot there. Yeah. So,
1: I, I do. I do want to. I want to just piggyback off something real quick. When we talked to Doctor Ashby, he talked about practice shooting at moving targets because as whitetail hunters, we're in a tree. Matt, stop them. We alert them to our presence immediately. So, I mean, do you think there's a correlation between stopping that white? I mean, like we're saying, hey. There's something here that you don't know what it is. So I mean, so are 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 deer? Are they seeing the movement of a hunter releasing an arrow? Your bow moves forward or back, whatever it may be, or are they actually hearing the arrow or hearing the string? Because we've had we've had a, this conversation before. We've had you shoot you, you did it. You shot at a doe, missed. You had you had a malfunction of an arrow. She did not move. You shot her again and killed her.
0: It was a low light situation too. So to so, me, it was like she would have heard the, the knock broke, right? There was a noise, but she didn't move. The, and, and after all was said and done, that first arrow really ended up three inches underneath her belly. Like, she had had to have heard something, but she didn't move. So the second, unless maybe it was the deaf deer of the, of the block, but like, she, the second one I knocked right there, boom, gone. I mean, she was 15 yards. This is so, so close. So to me, there's no. there wasn't jumping a string. It was... If they're jumping strings, it's got to be something else, whether it's the sound of the arrow coming in or or the, the visual. I don't know if they can pick the up some moving. kind of projectile. Yeah,
1: why, why do they jump the string? I mean, have you seen any? Now we're
0: getting off on a tangent, yeah. but this is good. Cause I'm just curious. I was curious. thinking about yeah, this. Yeah. We,
1: we've talked about it a lot about animals jumping the string.
2: There's as many debates about why they jump strings. But I I do know that there's a combination of things. There's there's noise of your bow when you release that bow if you've got a really light arrow um, instead of all of that energy being pushed into through the cams and then out through the string and then through to push that heavier arrow and i'm not saying heavy but heavier arrow out it goes to a lot of vibration so that energy is transferred into vibrations noise um, and so when you shoot something like we talked that hippo arrow the one that I used for Cape Buffalo last year was 930 grains. You can barely hear that bow shoot. When I shoot for distance during the summertime, I'm shooting 410 grain arrow because I want to practice out to 100, 110, and that thing sounds like a firecracker going off. Same bow. So I think there's a combination of they do see things, they hear things. The one that didn't jump on you may not know where to go. It may have heard, you know, heard something from your bow, then the arrow shoots off in the other direction. So which way is it supposed to move? You know, so you know, it could have been death. Yeah. We don't no, know. Right, right. right. So. <laughs> could have been death.
0: So. Too many variables. Right. Too many variables. <laughs> so, but I think that what it comes down to is having the right tool for the job, right? And if you're going to shoot a hippo, you got to have the right, right tool. It's not, you're not like using a... Oh, using an arrow instead of a hammer. If you were out working in the yard, you know, you got to have the right tool for the job and and, and selecting that. So you guys do a pretty good job of of helping folks with that. Um, As the day's been going on, we've been talking uh, different things, basic components of an arrow. And if you're not, if you're the type that just walks in for the big box store and and gets whatever that you might not even know what these are. Uh, Some of us are like that when we first started. GPI, um, length, spine, FOC. I want to cover some of those basic uh, terminology, single bevel, some of these different things that are now much more part of the conversation when you're, when you're making your arrows. So, um, you know, when you guys pull out an arrow, uh, and, and we talked about GPI, let's start there. Um, grains per inch, right?
2: Right. I'm gonna let Tyler feel out of these. Cause he does a lot of our technical, uh, builds as well. So this is right up his alley.
0: Okay, Tyler. So like, if I've got a 28 inch draw length and somebody says, well, what GPI do you want or spine? Like let's, I I would, uh, you know, some people might not have any idea what that we're
3: looking at there. Yeah. So typically um, what we see with a customer calling in kind of, you know, starting from, starting from zero, what we're going to do is we're going to get their draw length and their draw weight on their bow is pretty much where we always start. And then from there um, we'll try to get an idea kind of like what Seth was saying, Um, of the total weight that they want to end up at and uh, more importantly kind of the total front weight combination that they're looking to shoot um, between their broadhead and their insert weight Um, and from there um, just kind of using um, kind of customer feedback as well as um, kind of results that we've had as well as our spine charts that's where we'll kind of go and start with the spine Um, all of our spines kind of have their own listed gpis um, and due to the carbons and kind of the shafts that we offer. Um, We do have very good GPIs that help increase that um, higher FOC percentage. Um, But yeah, pretty much spine is gonna definitely be most critical on your draw weight, your length, and then the total front weight that you're shooting. So once we kind of know those three variables, that's going to give us our best recommendation um, for what spine you should be in. Um, And then back to Troy Fowler, the Ranch Ferry, we also offer um, the Ranch Ferry test kits that gives you two different spines and a multitude of field point front weights to play with Um, if it was something that you were wanting to kind of um, tinker with yourself and really dial in that, um, that perfect combination for your bow because every bow system and every shooter is going to be a little bit different in that regard
0: so the gpi though is it's grains per inch grains is a a unit of measurement so the more gpi the stronger it is or the uh... um
3: not necessarily Um, the gpi is going to have a lot to do with the diameter of the shaft Um, and then the material used in that shaft. So um, here we have our micro series, our Orion, uh, which is a 166, um, and that's going to have a lot lighter GPIs um, than, say, our Vulcan series, which is our 246, um, even in the same spine. So um, a 250-spine Orion is going to have a lot lighter GPI than a 250-spine Vulcan shaft, but they're both going to have that same stiffness of the 250-spine. That's kind of the benefit um, and kind of contrast that you have there between the diameters is you're still getting, the same stiffness in the spine um, but you're getting that lighter gpi on something like a micro shaft which is going to increase your forward of center and lighten up your over overall total arrow weight um, all else being equal
0: very good Um, I think we talked earlier spine is one of those things that people seem to have wrong more often than not when it comes to arrows they've either been they've selected themselves or have been purchased at the box store that's gonna be our stiffness right of the arrow and that kind stuff. And it's not just a number you guys pull out or say we've got it more of these so we'll say those. Like there is a chart and I mean there's a whole lot of math involved in, in your draw weight and length and all that kind of stuff, right?
2: That's right. so we design all of our arrows to shoot if you shoot a 250 spine, if that's what uh, you get to shoot well out of your bow, for example, in the Orion, it's going to shoot the same out of the Vulcan, Supernova. Any of those are going to have the same, they're going to shoot the same way. It's not the same if you were to go from one brand to the next. So we design all of our spines. When you hit 250, and really, for anybody that doesn't understand, a measurement of spine is measured by setting two rollers at 28 inches apart, and then you hang a weight, which is a precalibrated weight in the center, and however much it bends, that's the spine. So it's 250 thousandths of an inch, or a quarter of an inch is what a 250 spine is. So when people go, oh, I I thought the 200 spine uh, would be weaker. The 200 spine is actually stiffer because it doesn't bend as much. So if you get a 500 spine area like on our Tradstar, it actually bends a half an inch, um, when you put that weight in the center. So <clears throat> there are companies out there, one in particular, big box store company, that they decided to go off and do their own thing and and start naming them in the opposite direction. So it really throws people off when they're just yet another frustration point. It's like, well, I was in this brand and I, I was shooting a 400. That's great. It's a 250 in ours because we go by the national standard of naming your spine so there's a lot of that too so not not to make it even more confusing but then they threw a different type of spine chart out there and you can't use their spine chart when you come to our arrows and even in uh, when you get into better carbons like what we're using here at sirius um, you're going to be able to get these lighter gpis so we, we talk about it having a lighter gpi but why is that so like on the orion the carbon that we use for that is an extremely high-grade carbon. In fact, when we purchase that carbon, it has to be signed off that you're not using it for a foreign government's military. Wow. So it's generally only used in aviation. Uh, so it's, it is a little unusual to use this carbon for arrows, but it gives you an amazingly strong arrow, but lighter. And, and, and there, thereby, we can reduce the overall weight of the arrow. So when Tyler said we're trying to first figure out where do you want to be, uh, we, we have to factor in that GPI times the number of inches to see if we can even get you in there. Because there's guys that say, you know, I'd like to shoot a 200-grain broadhead, and I want 180-grain um, inserts, so, okay, 380 up front, but I want to stay under 550 grains. And we're like, the math doesn't work out. So we can get you close, but we may have to move you around an arrow family. And if you were already used to going through your Ranch Ferry test kit and you found out that the 300 spine worked for you, you just can't jump over into another one. But we can jump over to another arrow family. You can't just go down and spine, which is why people got frustrated. You went to the big box store and they handed you 400 spine arrows and you were shooting a 70-pound bow at 29 inches. And then you were frustrated because your accuracy wasn't there. Well, a lot of the problem with the accuracy wasn't you. It was the fact that you had underspined arrows, and they were never going to launch off your rest the same way twice. So that's why we worked so hard to figure out where do you need to be, because once you have that foundation of where you need to be, then the rest of this is a math problem, and that's it.
1: You know, it was, <clears throat> it was funny when I started looking into this you know, heavy arrow setup. I went back, and I, had, I hadn't bow hunted for a couple of years, and I went back and looked at the, the arrows that I got from one of the big box, and they were 400 spine arrows, 31-inch draw, 74 pounds a draw weight. <laughs> and so you just say that, I'm like, well, so it wasn't me is what you're saying. Maybe a little bit. Maybe. But, <laughs> but it, does to, it does come down it does come down
2: to bow tuning as well. So if we can get you in the right spine arrow and you're still having difficulties – we have a lot of people, Tyler can tell you, they send pictures into us of their paper tuning, and we can generally look at that paper tune and go, okay, uh, you know, you need to move your rest a little bit this way. If it's more than that, you're going to have to call your bow shop and get them to shim your cams, or you'll see the um, knock-in going both directions and all around. are like, you're going to have to work on your hand. It's, it's on, this is on you for right now, and, uh, but... We do a lot of that, which you're not going to get from a, just a normal um, – a lot of bow shops won't even do it. We have guys that call in here and say bow shops won't even uh, paper tune. They don't believe in paper tuning. Mm-hmm. So we and just like there are hunters all over the spectrum, there's bow shops all over the spectrum.
0: Right. Um, yeah, and I tried to tune mine last year, and it didn't work out very well, so I had to – I had. To, I was one of those guys that needed to get into the shop and have it done right, but um, – FOC, so forward to center, right? That's another uh, major term that we talk about. And what are we saying? Everything over, was it, 18%, 19% is generally considered decent? Where, where did Dr. Ashby start seeing his differences? Maybe it was 16% FOC. Somewhere in there. But um, what are you guys shooting for, or how do you determine what, what we're looking at on that?
3: Um, so... Kind of back to what Seth was talking, I guess um, for this podcast for sure. Um, the whitetail kind of general setup: sixty to seventy pound bow, shooting for you know that five hundred to six hundred grain range. Um, depending on the arrow series again and your GPI, um, I would say most builds. Um, to, and again, arrow length is another big factor in FOC because. Uh, the longer area you get, um, you're pretty much fighting a losing battle with FOC because it's a lot harder and you need a lot more front weight to get a higher FOC percentage. So, someone with a 26 inch draw is always going to be ahead of the game of someone with like a 30 inch draw in terms of FOC um, just because of it's that. Little guys era. win,
0: Paul. You hear that? <laughs> I do. Hear That's that. little guys win.
3: But I would say, generally, kind of for that whitetail setup, not going too extreme, um, most of the setups that we see and that we deal with um, probably anywhere between that 16 to 20 percent I would say um, on most of our arrow shafts um, in that you know 500 to 600 grain arrow range and we've seen great results from that and had a lot of um, good feedback on kind of that range there and then like Seth said we do you know it's specialized if you were going for a Cape Buffalo or something I'm I think Seth's Cape Buffalo arrow was almost 30% FOC. So it is going to kind of depend a lot on um, kind of what you're trying to accomplish with your setup as well as the game you're going after um, in terms of kind of like what you were talking about with Ed's um, theories and stuff on that FOC. The game that you're going after does um, play a big part in that as well.
2: And we're not going to go for – we're not trying to get extreme FOC here. There are those guys that like doing that, and that's fine. We have the stuff to do it with. But we're trying to get a – well-balanced arrow, north of 16% FOC if possible. But we have guys that ask us if we can make longer arrows for them, you know? So that some of these guys are shooting these Matthews Atlas bows at 33, 33 and a half inches, you know, and and for them to try to get to 16% FOC, it, you'd have to have a whole lot of weight up front. You could do it, but it's gonna take so much weight up front. And Dr. Ashby has an awesome video, if anybody can find it online. Where he shows taking paper clips, and you take paper clips and he has the arrow bounce and you hang them on the front, and he has to hang so many more on the front than like one on the back, and it throws the whole balance off. Hmm. And so that's another thing we try to do is try to figure out like when you are building that arrow, we're not, if you're a long draw guy, it might not make sense for you to try to throw a lighted knock on the back plus a big reflective wrap at ten or fifteen grains and then do a four fletch with big heavy arrows. Or excuse me, big heavy veins, because you're you're just killing your FSC at that point. You were already behind the curve and now you've made it worse. So if we can take some of that weight and move it forward, maybe even go to like the Orion or a lighter GPI, then we can start moving the needle for you a little bit more. And it does make a big difference. Flight characteristics do change when you get above that 15, 16, 17% mark.
0: More stable. More Flight. stable. Right. Okay. So I'm looking at an arrow right here. Um, and so my, I think my draw length is 20. Should we give
1: him a different arrow for this?
0: This is fine. <laughs> we'll, we'll all get the same place. So uh, the I think my draw length is 28 inches. When we're talking about the length, so as, as you're going through the website, you know, you've got to just declare your kind of your length and different things like that. 28 inches is from the end of the arrow, not the knock right to this insert at the top, or is it where? uh
3: Um, So for our website and the way we kind of operate, all of our measurements are done on strict carbon to carbon. Um, just because of differences in knock throats, um, differences in the type of insert systems you may be using. Um, we just find that having just our universal measurements starting out as your carbon to carbon, which is just strict shaft length, um, no knock, no insert, or anything included in that, gives us the best uniform place to start just because of uh, the differences in knock throats, insert sizes, things like that. Um, so we do strict carbon to carbon, um, so that's where our measurements come from.
0: So if I order an arrow, I'm um, just numbers off my head 28 inches long and i want to have it you know i'm gonna have 200 grain broadhead and i'd like to have a total of 650 i, I guess my length is is this like 28 and a half total or is this 28 is that the carbon or where's the insert at in that
2: that Start one probably adds, an adds, a, adds a half an inch adds
0: it adds a half inch. so this total length is really more than just 28 right right
3: Yeah, so most of the time with our builds, um, your total, not most of the time, all of the time, your total arrow length from, you know, either all the way to the end of your knock or the throat of your knock where some companies would measure it, the end of your insert is pretty much always going to be longer than that carbon to carbon length that you put in and again that's going to depend pretty much on the insert system that you choose Um, so some of our post and sleeve systems from ethics um, that we offer for the orions that's going to add seven eighths of an inch to your total arrow length Um, and then you know something like one of our standard stainless inserts for a two four six that's only going to add about an eighth of an inch to your total arrow length so um, that's all stuff that we try to factor in when we're building these for people Um, we try to factor in your sleeve length um, covering up you know, the end of your arrow shaft, make sure people aren't getting any rest contact there. Um, But, yeah, we always start on carbon to carbon, and then we can kind of um, go to the total arrow length from there depending on the insert system that they choose.
0: That's good to know. So I think I I guessed when I uh, put mine in, trying to figure that all out in the first time. That worked. I haven't cut my finger yet, uh, but whatever. So
2: Generally, if you – are worried about the length and the one thing we are protective of one because everybody's looking to sue everybody today but we like to have that broadhead about an inch away from your fingers. So if you order uh, on a standard diameter arrow where you're going to just have a traditional insert that adds a 16th or an 8th um, from any box store or any arrow company. Just plan on adding about an inch to your draw length, and that'll keep that broad head away from your finger. And then if you're going to order something with the sleeve system, most of them, except on micros, will add about a half inch. So if you add your a half inch to your draw length, so for you, your draw length's
0: 28, I think.
2: 28, so order 20 and a half, and you'll be fine. Okay. If it's a little long, you can always take uh, a little bit off of the back. But it's generally better to keep your fingers and lose them.
0: Don't don't underestimate me. If you, I'll be out there with my hacksaw trying to take off some of the back, and then next thing you know, I have some crazy arrows. But somewhere.
2: we also don't want to get them too long, right? Because that hurts your FOC. But it's better to keep fingers and have a stable flight arrow than than it is to worry about FOC.
0: Good. Now, you guys have uh, we put the inserts in there, right? I was watching you. We showed us earlier um, how you're going about that. You want to just give us a quick rundown of that process on how you choose the insert. Um, we talked a little bit about your, your, uh, epoxy and, and that kind of stuff. It's pretty unique. Um, give us a rundown on that.
3: Yeah. So, um, depending on which arrow series you select, um, we have several different component options, um, for that arrow, um, from ethics archery. So, um, for our standard diameter arrows, um, we have, uh, two different, um, standard insert options. One is an aluminum insert. Um, that's a, uh, adjustable between, I believe, 12 and a half and 35 grains. We have a stainless insert um, and then a couple post and sleeve options. Um, that's going to be the same um, for our Apollo. We have two different half-out options and then a couple post and sleeve options. And then for the Orion, and the Micro, it's all post and sleeves. Um, but with that, um, you have a couple different metals, a couple different choices of sleeve and post combination. Um, and again, the cho- choosing the components, um, a lot of times it's just going to come down to um, if the customer Um, has a front weight or a total weight in mind that they're trying to hit. Um, And because our components um, are variable weights and can be adjusted, we can kind of um, work with them there to get that total front weight or total arrow weight number that they're looking to achieve. Um, Or a lot of times, customers will call in and they're not super concerned on a total um, front weight number. They just want a really durable system. So that's when we'll um, maybe kind of guide them towards um, one of our full stainless options or one of our more durable options that with that durability comes extra weight. But because they're not super concerned about that, they want the durability. So that's when we can go with a full system um, of one of our stainless steel options and get that durability. um, And then kind of whatever that total weight comes out to is what it'll come out to for them. So
2: one of the things that we see a lot are guys will try to buy a stainless steel system sleeve and post and then they want to cut it down to a nub because they want to get the weight all the way down and they are adjustable down to that and we try to steer them into if you would take the full length aluminum post with a stainless steel sleeve and get to the same weight you're far better off than trying to cut that thing down to a nub and uh, that is one of the things that we we try to fight and we we'll probably need to do a video on it honestly just to explain but um, you won't, the mower post you can have inside the arrow the stronger that front end is going to be if it's immovable then it also takes away from and it gets real technical here but from the length of the arrow shaft so if if you have a 28 inch draw and you put a two and a half inch steel post in the inside you're only going to have what did I say, two and a half inch? Mm-hmm. Um, so you would have, what, uh, 25 and a half inches of actual flexible portion of your arrow. So you could potentially shoot a 300 spine, or maybe you were able to go down to a 350 spine, depending on what your draw weight was, because you have an immovable piece in there. And if you have to think that hard about it, pick up the phone and calls. Because you're liable to screw it up because it's. it even gets confusing sometimes on the inside for us. So as we're working through that, don't don't be ashamed to pick up the phone and call.
0: No, and I, I'll i second that. Uh, these guys have been great today working with us. But how many times I've been on the website and I'll start going through and I'm going to design them and have this color and that color and this weight and whatever. And then I'm just like, wait, do I want to put the fletchings on? Do I not want to do that? Do I, I put the inserts? In? I, I should just pick up the phone and call and I can attest that that would be great to uh, steer you down the right direction. So, uh, we're sitting in the fletching room. I think that's what this would be considered. There's every color fletching possible, and sizes and shapes. And I don't know, what do we got? Six or seven Bits and Bergs down there. One of the questions that I struggle with is how many fletchings like to put on my arrow. I mean, I've come personally, I've got the AA, AAE stealths, I think, but. I struggle if I want to go three, if I want to go four, if I want to have a helical, if I want them straight. What, what, why do you do one over the other, or what's it matter? Does it matter?
2: Well, the, that is a controversial topic. But what I'll tell most folks is, if you're going to be shooting an adult broadhead, you need to have enough fletching for the back to make the front behave. The front's going to want to misbehave, especially on a bigger broadhead. It's catching more wind up front. And you need that little bit of drag on the back in order to keep the arrow flying straight. That's what the vanes are there for. We typically do a four-fletch for most of our customers because you can go to a little bit lower profile, lighter vein unless you're shooting. There are some wide-cut broadheads out there, and I think they even tell you they're not to be shot past 40 yards because they're hard to control they there's a lot of metal up there catching a lot of wind so you need enough fletching to make your your arrow behave if you're going to shoot a a mechanical that's maybe 100 grain you probably don't need but three fletchings and it doesn't take a whole lot of steering if you're going to shoot something that's in that 150 200 grain uh, range, maybe even bigger like the, the um, meat head at 265 or something like that, you need a little bit more fletching to make it behave. So it's really important that you get the, you don't want too much because you don't want there to be so much drag that that it, um, and it, I've seen some crazy helicals, I mean stuff where I don't even know how they get them around the arrows the way they do, <clears throat> and then they shoot a, a, a mechanical broadhead, it, it doesn't make any sense. Our standard arrow goes out with about between two and a half and three degree right helical. That seems to work best for most of our customers. It is forgiving. That's the other thing people don't realize is that that helical makes it a little bit more forgiving. It's just like rifling in a rifle barrel. It gets the the arrow spinning and when it's spinning, it's more stable in flight. So that is our standard. We do a straight helical very rarely. Uh, It's an option. And then left helical for us is an option as well. Some people uh, prefer to shoot a left helical. But the majority of people, the right helical with the right veins, you know, it's going to be spinning in the right direction. That's that's a lot of controversy too. Well, my bear shaft spins left coming off my arrow and or mine my, my spins right and I, I want to match them up. And if you want to, that's fine. We can do whatever you want. But even with um, a four-fletch, within a foot or so of the end of the bow, just through high-speed photography, we have been able to see that they're already spinning right. So if you have a right helical broadhead, you need to match that helical. Um, So um, it's really important that you don't put a left helical on a, excuse me, on a left, um, a left helical on a right bevel broadhead. I know I said helical before. It's getting late. <laughs> but you always want to match those up because you don't want them fighting each other. One's creating spin in one direction, one's trying to create spin in another. They will fight each other. So, since the majority of guys that, at least for us, that are now shooting um, right bevel broadheads, we make that as our standard.
0: Is it right bevel broadhead pretty standard? I mean, okay, that's your standard the industry? Or how do you, is it something in the, as you're going through the description of a broadhead when you're buying them that'll say right or left? Yeah. I guess I've never looked.
3: I think, I think overall, um, us included, we definitely are predominantly, um, right bevel, um, for our single bevel offerings. And I do think that is, um, I would say it's definitely more of an industry standard as well. There are companies that do make left bevel heads. We do have left bevels available in some of our, um, tough headline. But overall, I think right bevel is a little bit more common. So like Seth was saying, you just want to be sure that if you are shooting a left bevel broader, that is when you would need to do a left helical. Um, but with a right bevel, you'd want to match that with a right helical.
0: And just for the record, it has nothing to do if you're right-handed or left-handed, right? No. Okay.
2: No. Doesn't make any difference.
0: That's what I, I knew the answer to that question, but uh, I just make sure that was uh, clear out there. So... Um, Talking about broadheads, uh, Dr. Ashby's stuff. It's the single bevel. It's uh, heavy up front, good quality steel, that kind of stuff. You guys have a few different options. We were looking at them earlier. As far as uh, we've got the new, the three, three bladed double bevels, right? Right. And that's what we were talking about. You get less of that twisting through the animal, but more of that punch, that poc- pack, packing that punch. You want to talk about the difference on those a little bit? Sure. Is that what it so is? So we,
2: we have the three blades available in both 150, 200, and 300 grain. Those are going to just punch straight through the animal. They're not designed to twist. Um, they, they make for good blood trails, usually right off the bat. They have a nice cutting diameter. There's, there's extra cutting space because you've got three blades instead of two cutting. So there's, there's some advantages there. Um, they're not as good in heavy bone as what you're going to find a single bevel, which is um, a lot of our offering is in the single bevel. The twisting action of a single bevel actually goes in and snaps bones, pops bones, and then lets the rest of the arrow slide through easier than just trying to um, punch straight through. And um, We have single bevels, and we might as well go ahead and say it now. We've got a 150 version that will be announced before this podcast goes out, 200 and 300 in the Evolution line, which is an S7 tool steel, same thing that you would make a cold chisel out of. And we did some testing a couple weeks ago where we were shooting into the concrete wall back behind our building here, and we actually stuck it in the concrete chiseled it out i think that video will go out on youtube next monday, monday yeah. next monday and we had to chisel it out and then came in sharpened it up did a sharpening video which is another reason you shouldn't try to do your own videos because two-thirds of it was out of frame and we had to throw it away. <laughs> but we sharpened the thing up to where it just put it right back in your quiver Wow. but that's s7 tool steel you know that's the, that's the difference you would not do that with our classic series it's a different type of steel it's um We use stainless on the um, classic series. You can get those in glue-ons or screw-ins. So we still have a lot of traditional hunters that will buy the glue-ons, 190 grain, um, 220 grain. And then we make the screw-in versions so that uh, you can shoot the same head, but you're going to shoot it out of of a screw-in insert. So those we also have in a dangerous game line, which get... 400 up to 500 grains and then we make those to order. So if there's a specialty weight somebody wants uh, we start with a uh, 300 base and then we can chemically adhere Inserts on the inside to get you up to 500. So that that's a mammoth when you're when you're shooting 500
0: Let's take down some does (laughs) Real quick so I
1: There's a lot of lot of acronyms. There's a lot of math this can be kind of intimidating for for a lot of just just the average bow hunter in Ohio. I'm I'm that that guy. I've done a lot of research about the heavy arrow setup. I've done yeah. You know, I've seen the pros about it. So if I if I want to kind of switch over from those run of the mill big box arrow setups and broadhead setups, where do I where do I start? What's the what's kind of the simplest path to get to? Where we're at if I don't have time to, you know, bear shaft tune and noctune and paper tune, and all these things. Where do I start?
2: The easiest way to start would just to make a phone call to us. And when you call in, drop any pride and say, I don't know what I'm doing, and help me. And we are more than happy to help. We get a lot of guys that call and say, I don't know what I'm doing, and then they say 72 times, but but I want to do this, but I want to do this. Well, then do that. That's fine. But what we're going to guide you into is a good, balanced setup, good for you to hunt everything in your area. If you're going to go and hunt moose, call us back. We're going to do a different setup for you. But for most everything else, we'll get you into uh, the arrow that's uh, a good setup for you. And that's probably the easiest way. Ranch Ferry has a lot of good videos. So if you go to YouTube, you can see... I mean, at least they're entertaining. If you don't take anything away from them, they're entertaining. Yes, and, absolutely. And uh, he's got a lot of good information. Uh, we do have a lot of people that don't have a lot of time to get a lot of videos watched. They have young kids. We've got like, a lot of people with young families, things like that. You got, we're competing against soccer. We're competing against all kinds of stuff. Call us and let us build your setup. Send it to you. If you have any issues, we'll help you adjust it from there. Um That's probably the easiest way.
0: Yeah. So um, what else is on the docket? You guys got anything new, latest and greatest stuff out for uh, the upcoming year?
2: Yeah, we have – hopefully the patent work will be finished up this week on a new 204 system for inserts. It's going to be, we think, probably going to be the next great thing. It's been in the works for a year and a half now. That's going to be pretty awesome. We'll be announcing a new arrow coming out pretty soon. That'll be um, that'll be pretty awesome. It's going to have a lighter GPI, and it's going to be one that guys can um, throw further downrange. And then by fall, a target line. So hmm. very good. We're going 23s, 25s, and 27s. So for those guys, and we get a lot of calls. When you guys can get target shafts? When you guys going can... to... Well, we've been pretty much a hunting company, and Rome wasn't built in a day. But now's the time. We've we've grown enough now that we have the resources to be able to put into the R&D and and things to be able to get that type of line out. So that's coming
0: out. Great. I almost forgot, but I told myself we were going to talk about crossbow bolts. Uh, and you guys also have a line for those, right? Phoenix. The Phoenix. Okay. One of those birds. I, I, I know that it's all... Astronomical stuff, but for me, whatever. It's a bird. Uh, the bolts that I had on my crossbow, they just came, right? They came with the the bow, or I guess uh, building ones with you guys. Same type of process as the upright bow or upright arrows.
2: That's right. You can go right to the website. They are um, they have much more limited choices. Okay. Mostly because we're not really having to fight with an FOC number. I mean, most of them are cut to 20, some are cut to 18. We've even seen shorter ones in 16. Um, But we're not, those folks aren't normally concerned about FOC. So the conversation is limited to what color veins do you want? And then we need to make sure you're shooting the right knock. The knock is really important. There are some crossbows that require, for example, I I think it's 10 point that has an omni knock there's some that have flat knocks there's some that have half moons and it's important that you match that up Uh, we have a standard 300 id uh, shaft and the reason we did that is because that's what everybody used to make theirs to and so knocks would be interchangeable there are some now that are changing and we're even getting where that some of the crossbow manufacturers are saying you can only shoot this arrow that they came with, or we're going to void your warranty. So we are fighting that a little bit, but they're so much stronger than what comes out with the original crossbow. They are a more expensive bolt, but they're going to last shot after shot after shot, even into the ground.
1: Just one, one quick question. I think we'll, we'll wrap this up and and really appreciate your guys' time. Why is there so much hate directed towards the heavy arrow setup? in the archery, the bow hunting community.
0: <coughs> Way to end on a nice easy question there, Paul. Yeah.
2: A lot of the hate comes from the fact that we have anything new, there's resistance to change. Not that this was new. We had guys shooting aluminum arrows, me included when I started, shooting aluminum arrows that were probably 600, 700 grains then. So this isn't new, but it's – it's new because the industry started chasing speed a long time ago. The bows went from shooting 300 to 295, 300 feet per second and lower. All of a sudden, in 10 years, they jumped up to where they're trying to shoot 350 plus.
0: And some of those crossbows are like 500 plus. Right?
2: They're experiencing the same thing right now. So we chased that speed. We are looking for faster, lighter arrows, lighter components, anything we do to get that speed up to 350 because it sounds cool. The hatred comes in as there's some polarizing, there's some polarizing uh, folks in the heavy arrow world that like to go on these forums and just browbeat guys that shoot light arrows. The light arrow guys go in, they browbeat the guys that shoot heavy arrows. Shoot what you want. We know from experience what guys are having good ex- good luck with, right? <clears throat> but there's no one right arrow. But a lot of the hate comes in when you say you have to shoot this. If you're not shooting this, <coughs> excuse me. If you're not shooting this, you're not shooting a good arrow. It's unethical. I don't know how many times I've heard that. I've also heard <clears throat> Doctor Ashby misquoted more than any one human, maybe next to Socrates. In the world, every week I hear somebody call and say, "Dr. Ashby says you have to shoot 650 grains; or you can't shoot deer." I talk to Dr. Ashby frequently. He's never said that. He doesn't advocate for that. He said that his research showed that when you got 650 and above, penetration increased greatly. That's it. He did never said that. You know, and he's shooting cape buffalo and things like this for testing. So I think a lot of controversy comes in because guys jump on one side or the other. Our country's polarized to two different places. So why shouldn't hunting be polarized in two different places? So it will be heavy and light. And what we're saying is find what works for you. Find that middle ground that gives you good speed and trajectory with also giving you that momentum you need to get through the animal. And that's different on every animal. But – I think most of the controversy just comes down to keyboard warriors.
0: I, I can't disagree with you on that at all. And I, I'll tell you what, I just wrote an article for Go Wild. But to me, it's confidence, man. If you're confident in what you are shooting in the, in the in the woods, that's great. You can have the greatest rifle in the world, but if it's off by six inches, I mean, it's not worth anything. And you if you go into a hunt knowing it's off, like, you're already – mine is screwed up. So – to me it's being confident and if you think and you know what you have works then, then shoot it you know and that's going to if you're confident and, and calm in that situation the shot placement's going to be better and, and everything the whole way through so.
2: i think a lot of it comes down to two. we we have bow shops out there and it's a hard it's hard to make it as a bow shop everybody thinks these guys make these huge margins on every bow they sell and look, they sold 60 bows last year 120 bows last year They make a couple hundred bucks on a bow. The margins aren't there. So we don't attract really good bow technicians because they can't afford to pay them. It's not the bow shop owner's fault. But again, chasing speed, and if I can get your arrow, and I can get you to shoot a mechanical, and I can get that arrow shooting 280 feet per second, that bow doesn't have to be greatly in tune. It can be out of tune, we can move your rest around just enough that we can get you shooting straight because it doesn't really matter. But then as soon as guys screw on a broadhead, they really see that, oh, man, this thing, it, this isn't working right. So I think there's a lot of frustration is that we don't have great bow shops. There are some. There's some that, that have embraced this and they realize it, and we have a lot that just don't, and they they have to keep pushing these these arrows out faster with mechanicals because they just don't either have time to do it or the people to tune them properly.
0: Very good. Well, guys, it's been great. Uh, to all of our listeners out there, check it out. What's the, what's the website? Serious
2: SeriousArchery.com, Archery? and that's S I R I U S. Got Instagram it. Instagram like as well.
0: Star. Instagram.
2: Instagram, Facebook, Serious TV on YouTube, TikTok, and Twitter. We got it all. Wow.
0: All of it. All of it. Got it. Stuff. <laughs> but I'll tell you, uh, you know there's no secret it's not cheap these aren't cheap arrows um but you get what you pay for right and if you want that confidence when you get up there in the the tree out in the woods and that you know which what you're shooting is going to work and uh, the way you want it to we watched as tyler hand spun and glued everything this is this is done with care and it's going to be right the accuracy uh make your mind spin gentlemen thanks for your time thank you appreciate Appreciate it it. take care